Amen. Good morning. Lovely to see you. Um, I've left my glasses. Sorry, Emma. Alan talking about his haircut um, things. It's a situation I haven't had to deal with for a long time. Um, but I save a lot of money because I do it myself, as you could probably imagine. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks, John. <laughs> Amen. So, what's that? Yeah, same. I want to share um, this morning, I was grateful for Alan's message last week about con- being content. I think it's a really important word. And, um, and this morning, I want to share something of vision. And um, it's usually around this time, isn't it, that you hear like vision talks. But I, I'm, I'm using the word, but I'm not going to talk about strategies and, and groups and buildings and, you know, what we want to do and things here. But in a sense, ultimately, it is a vision. I want us to see something today. I want us to grab hold of something. Um, and I want us to, if you like, uh, recognize, and this is down to you. You've got to uh, believe in it, really, haven't you, at the end of the day, whether this is right. Is it biblical? Is it right? Is it of God? And is God calling us to this vision to see something happen, to, sit, to bring us into something? Um, and what... Um, in a sense, what I want to share, really, and, I'm, and I, I, I'm struggling a little bit because I really don't just want to be emotional. I don't want to just kind of like stir us up and go, yeah, isn't this great, even if I was able to or not, I don't know. But I really am believing that God is wanting to do something new in our church. Now, who's been here, uh, who was here maybe 10 years ago, if you just put your hand up? So there are, there are quite a few of us who remember the church 10 years ago, or maybe five years ago. This church is a very different place. 40 years ago, it was even, even more different. Um, yeah, some of us have been here even longer, even myself, although I wasn't really present, really, as a, you know, not that old. Um, I'm not. Um, but I was remembering, you know, just thinking back and thinking back to a few years ago, there were... There were more people. I mean, it's lovely to see so many people here. There was more people. We had uh, more families. We had more young people. And um, I remember even looking back further, doing the youth group, and we had a midweek meeting with about 30 young people. Um, you know, you can look back. But I don't, vision does not look back. Vision looks forward. But your past can help to build up to where you're going in the future. And I don't, rem- I don't know if you remember some of the talks I've made. Um, I talked about just sharing really last year at some point about, I felt that God is bringing us into a period of transition, and I talked about the Isaac generation, you can listen to this online, uh, it's all very good, um, about how Isaac bridged the gap between Abraham and Jacob, Israel, and it was this transition period, and I, and I shared how I felt that God was bringing us into a transition period. God is, in 40 years we've been in this building, um, and there's another 40 years, and God's plan for this church is different um, to what it's been. Um, now, there are things that are the same. We want the same spirit of God to move. We want God to save people. We want people to come into freedom and liberty. But what God is doing and who is part of that is going to be different. And I talked about this picture that helped me about a train coming into a station. And some people got off the train 
and the train sat there and some people got on the train and then we're off. And it was almost like for a year or something, I felt like we'd been sitting at the station. I'm like, Lord, when are we going, you know? And um, again, last, last year, it wasn't that long ago, um, I just, and I shared again this, I said, I felt like God was saying to me personally, John, be patient, momentum comes in the new year. Well, we're in the new year now, so it's like, right, all these things that you feel are put to the test. Um, but I do know, and uh, someone else confirmed to me this, this, um, this week, this year is going to be very different to last year. And I, and I feel that momentum's coming. God is going to move. God is going to do something. But in a sense, first of all, I think we need to get the vision. And we need to know what it is that we want. What is it that we feel stirring in our hearts, say, this is the church that I want to see. Um, and, and so that's really what I want to share. And what started it, really, was a conversation around my dinner table when my son was just chatting and a thought came into my mind, and I said, my kids need to experience the power of God. I did, growing up in here as a young person, in my fact, that I experienced the power of God. I don't want them to experience church and meetings, and you know, there's a difference between, you know, this is wonderful to be, I mean, even though I'm just covering there, the sense of the presence of God, that's what I want, and I want my, my kids, I want our young people, our children, uh, you know, all the way to the, to the, to the elders, uh, to experience and know the power of God, amen? amen? Otherwise, why are we doing this? And this is part two from my previous talk, by the way, a while ago, but that's this, I have a vision, if you like, I have a vision for something of God that we're not in right now. We've been there, and we're going there. And so I want to share this really. And I, just to set the context, um, I've got quite a few verses, um, but I want to, a, a lot of them, I want us, if you've got your phones or your Bibles, go up on the screen, if Dan's quick enough, old quick fingers over there. Um, but this verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3 was the beginning, or it summarizes, if you like, this I think this potential place we could be in, churches could be in, in the context of the world that we're in, and this is chapter three of 2 Timothy, I'm just gonna read the first five verses and just listen to this and say, is this the society that we're in? Um, understand this, he says that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Does that sound like the days that we're in? Man alive. But that last verse is a challenge to us. You know, having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. It's possible, it's biblical. It was happening. Religiosity, or just following this kind of whole idea of Christian living. And my title, and I've been struggling to find a title, it's a vision for the reality of God. I want the reality, not the religion. And I know we say it's relationship, not religion. I'm just changing the word. Reality, there's a reality. And the thing is, it's there in the Bible. And if we believe our Bibles, it should be here in our reality. And this is what I want us to go 
And I'm, I'm, I'm really stirred up, so sorry if I'm shouting on the front row. Sorry, no one's going to be falling asleep there, are they? <laughs> Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. There is a form of Christian living, a form of faith in God, that does not know the power of God. And maybe there are many people, and let's, you know, assume maybe no one here, but maybe, who go to church and they believe that God exists. They go to church week in, week out, and they've never known the power and the presence of God to transform their lives. And they go back to their homes, and they struggle in sin every week. They struggle in hopelessness. They don't have any purpose in their life, and yet they're turning up at churches, and there's nothing there because... They don't know this power of God. And when I talk about the power of God, I'm not talking about I want to see you know, great things and feel like there's this great, look how great we are. It's nothing to do with us. It's about lives being transformed and changed, people being set free, people being healed, people being coming into a complete release and healing, inner healing from all the trouble and the strife and the challenges and the difficulties they've had through their life. I believe that's, that's my vision to see people saved, who are lost. And if they could come in here and experience the, the reality and the power of God. I, I don't know what church is for other than that. I know it's many things, and I, you know, bear with me. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4, 19. You don't have to turn to it, but I, um, I think it might come up if Dan's there. It says, I will come to you if the Lord wills, <coughs> And I'll find out, not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God, this is the line that struck out to me, the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. God, help me. I don't just want to talk something. I want God's power to come. I don't have it. It's God in me, I hope. We sung that song, Christ in me, isn't it? That the power of God would do something in our hearts. Sorry, I woke the baby. <laughs> Bless her. Um, he wasn't in, interested in fancy rhetoric or great talks or great presentations. You know, I could have nice fancy graphics and sometimes they're helpful when we're teaching. I'm not having a go at them, but what I want, he says, I, I came with a demonstration of God's power. The power of God. In one, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, he says, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of Power, Arthur, isn't it? He's drawn to the power, Rachel. And love and self-control. So I've got this vision of the power of God at work in this place. Have you? Can you capture it? The vision is for the reality of the power of God at work to reveal Christ to hearts, to set them free, to heal, to deliver, to transform. That's my vision in the Great Commission, it says this in Mark 16. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. That's my vision. There's people in this congregation who need to be healed. It's like, God, we need your power. Is this real? Is this real, Lord? Then I want it. I want the reality. That's my vision. And I know these, are, these things are very easy to talk about. 
there's a reality to seeking God for them and waiting, and God does lots of things around that. But in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you remember this one? Go wait for the power to come upon you. If you've got your Bibles, let's just take a little walk through Acts. Again, if, if you, or your phones, or because if, you, if you're able, just follow it through. Just let the words go in your eyes and your ears at the same time. Because I just want to pick out some verses. Um, but chapter 2, verse 1, talks about when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came a, uh, from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and, it, wind, and it filled the entire house they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now listen to this. There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. And it goes on, it says, they were amazed, hearing the gospel in their own. It doesn't say they left the building. It just occurred to me the other day. Can you imagine God moving and we're free, and people are hearing, they're drawn into this building. And I know we need to go out, don't get me wrong. But can you imagine? That's my vision. <laughs> that in this place, there's such a tremendous worship and praise and freedom in the spirit that people are drawn in from outside it happened then why not now in chapter 2 verse 5 um or no sorry not to verse 5 let's go to verse 37 so peter preaches and he says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, these are the listeners, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They were convicted in their hearts. Conviction is something that I was saying to Daniel the other day. I think I said to Alan when we were having coffee, when was the last time we talked about the conviction of the Holy Spirit? I remember as a young person being in meetings, cut to the heart, and it's not a guilt trip, it's, it's something that, it's a radical awareness of my need of God and my need for forgiveness. And it produces change. It causes people to come to the front, you know, in those meetings when you do altar calls, and, they, and they, or it causes them to cry out to God, God, help me. What are we to do? And they say, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the promise of the Holy Spirit, power. I'm praying, Lord, that we might just hear again and again people convicted in their hearts. Me included, don't, don't get me wrong, not just people who don't know the Lord, but us, that we might be refined, that we might be the Lord's in everything we do. That's my vision there, conviction of the holiness of God. Typically, if you're new amongst us, we, are, we come from a holiness movement very much influenced by the teachings of John Wesley many, many, you know, many years ago. Um, and that can have its challenges and problems. It can lead to legalism. But I'll tell you what it does. It gives you an awareness of the holiness and the greatness of God 
It makes us say, I want to live for God because I realize he is altogether holy. It doesn't deny his love. It doesn't deny his grace. It puts his grace, his love in an incredible context. It says, I want to live for the Lord. Holiness. Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, verse 5. They're on their way to the temple and there's, a, there's someone there and who's um, lame on the floor. And he's, he looks up, he, he calls out to them for money and Peter says, look at us. And this guy fixes attention on them, expecting to receive from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, and Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. That's my vision. I want to see people healed. I want to see the boldness of the people of God like us who are maybe out there amongst the likes of Steve and Tony and Kevin and, um, and this guy George who came in the other week, that they might know the power of God that can transform them, heal them of their addictions or heal people of their sicknesses. Lord, give us a vision that we can pray into and seek God for. Say, God, if this is the reality, I want to see it here. You realize as it goes on and on, it gets a bigger, bigger, bigger thing, doesn't it? Requires more faith. Peter and John, they go and they get taken by the authorities and they stand before uh, the, uh, I can't remember, it's in chapter four, verse nine, uh, chapter four, before the council, we will go to verse 19. Um, And they get threatened, don't preach about Jesus anymore. And they go back to their house church, they go back to a prayer meeting and, they, have, and they, they say, we need to pray. And they start to pray and, and at the end of this prayer, this is what they say, they say, now Lord, look upon their threats, grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you, God, stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Lord, give us boldness while you do the healing. Not, Lord, I'm going to go and heal people. You know, it's like, I'm just going to go out and be bold. I'm going to be bold to, to just do what you call me to do. And I'm going to expect you to do the healing. Oh, God, give us a vision for that, hey? For boldness. It says in that, in that if you read it, it says, I mean, it's in the meeting that the place shook. The presence of God arrived. Lord, let's have some of that, shall we? That'd be good, wouldn't it? There was an expectancy of faith that as they preached the gospel, God would reach out and do miraculous things. In Acts chapter 9, we read about Paul's, um, this guy called Saul, his name was at the time, and he's on the way to persecute some Christians in Damascus, and on the way, There's a big shining light and he's arrested right on the road and he's knocked off his horse, blinded by Jesus. And he's literally, his life is brought to a radical stop and a change. And in that moment, he's saved. And so many people I can see, and maybe you can think of them right now, who need a road to Damascus experience. It's like, Lord, we pray and we pray, but Lord, you've got to come and radically change people. Wake them up, awaken them. 
to the reality that you are living. People that have been brought up in Christian families. Met someone in the cafe recently who comes from a Christian family but has denied it because they didn't like what they saw, didn't like the, this or that. And I'm like, Lord, if they knew the reality of who you were. Isn't that the truth? It's what we want, isn't it, for our children? I want them to know the reality. I've been there, haven't I? I go there every morning, Lord. But some people, they're just going so down the wrong road, they can't see where they're going anymore, and they need to be arrested on the road to Damascus. God, some people that look hopeless, don't they? Absolutely hopeless. Maybe think of one person, you think, Lord, they would need an incredible miracle. They need a road to Damascus. It's like, Lord, will you come and arrest them? That's my vision, really. It's like, Lord, I want to pray for people and they get changed. Not because someone's come along and just had the right words to persuade them, but that they can get met by Jesus like Saul did. There was a guy, Acts chapter 10. I'm saying these verses just so you know this is from the Bible, okay? Verse 44, Peter gets um, told by the Lord, Go and preach at a man called Cornelius' house. He's a Gentile. And Peter's like, a Gentile? He goes and he's preaching, sharing. You imagine like now, I'm preaching. And in the middle of it, God doesn't wait for the article. In the middle of it, the Spirit of God just comes. Like on, the, like on Acts chapter 2. In the upper room, it just came. And they were just filled with the Spirit. And then they just came alive in the things of God. Started prophesying and speaking in tongues which is the Bible's way of explaining this was just like it was amongst the Jews. That's what Peter needed to know. There is no difference. God wants to fill people. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we didn't get through all the sermons in the church? Because God was like, that's enough, John. That's enough, Daniel. That's enough, Hannah. I'm ready to move now. And it's like, okay. Wouldn't it be wonderful? We've got to dream big and have big visions because God is bigger always than our dreams and visions, isn't he? Lord, come and do what you did in Cornelius, that the ministry of this church is not characterized by the level of its presentation or, or, or the length of it or the shortness of it or the ability to talk or how many people speak or how few they speak. That what, is, what characterizes the ministry is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, I know you're all saying amen to that. And you could carry on. We could go through Acts. We could look at other things where we can see this expression, this understanding of the power of God at work. You know, even, I mean, even just here's a testimony today. There's an Arsenal supporter and a Chelsea supporter wearing their kits, and yet we all come together in unity. (laughs) He's just realized I've mentioned it there. Amen. (laughs) But this, not a form of Christianity denying its power. Oh, but God, come and move. Come like when we're in worship. Just come and have your way. Let's, we're not bothered, are we, so much about how we do things, but really by what God is doing in the midst of what we're doing. That's really what characterizes, I think, confidently, that's what characterizes us. You know, um, my vision, if you like, is this. Jesus said in Luke chapter four, he, he went into a Sanhedrin, He was given some scripture from Isaiah and he stood up and he read it and he said this, 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's my vision. Just as if God, Jesus was physically sitting here and people came in and they just met him and he just laid his hands on them and said, be released, be healed, be healed of your broken heart. Isn't that our vision? That God would move in such a way? Let's just go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want us to start to think now, okay, well, this is, fan this is great. And again, I don't just want us just to feel good about this whole talk. And yeah, we're all in agreement. But what does it actually mean? As I said before about, um, you know, about the flames. We want the fire of God to come, amen? Well, you are one flame. You're another flame. You're another flame. And when the flames come together, we have a fire, and so this is now turning it back to each one of us, isn't it? You're part of this church. If God's called you here, and I know some of you are new, and I'm not putting any pressure on you. Some of you are just visiting, and you're thinking, what on earth am I doing here? Well, maybe God's, yeah, I've got a plan for you. But we all bring a fire, a flame. It's like, I need to be a flame for you. And you look at each other and you say, you need to be a flame for each other. That's what brings a fire. So this is where it's like, how do we stoke the fire of our own heart? Let's go back into to Timothy chapter three. And this is, this is after that passage I read earlier. And he says to Timothy, he says, you, however, followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. And he goes on. It's a wonderful passage. You can, read, you can read it. But it's this sense of, right, John, you, follow my teaching. I tell you, we, we need to, I know we, I will say this many, many times, but if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not following the teaching, not living out the word, there's not going to be any fire, is there? My aim in life, interesting words. What's your aim in life? Is it to serve God? Is it to put your life on the altar that the fire of God may come and burn you up? My faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. What Paul's saying to Timothy, he's saying, learn from me. Listen, look at my life following the things that I've learned. And I've just got a few things, you know, just that's something you can meditate on, what that means to you. But there's one thing I, I really felt when I was thinking about, okay, what are we going to do with this, Lord? Um, and the first thing is this. We have to get straight. We can't manufacture a move of God. So let's play the right songs. Let's, let's say that, you know, let's darken the light and I'm, I'm saying all these things are lovely I actually quite like it, the, the environment but you can't manufacture what's not coming out of our hearts we need to be flames in our hearts and we need to call on God and I, I, and I do this humbly before God I love the Lord with all my heart but God if you don't do it nothing will happen 
And even really, to even to get us to move, if there's any apathy, Lord, help us. We need you to get us out of it, don't we? It's like, Lord, we are in our bare bones in absolute need for you to do it. But if we could at least agree that together, that's a fantastic foundation to start in, isn't it? And thank you, Lord, for the grace of God. And to recognize that, do you know what? Maybe after this, if you feel infused by this talk, that's very encouraging, but it may last two weeks. So it's not about how enthusiastic. You may come away with questions and thoughts and maybe no enthusiasm or maybe even feeling a little bit down about what I've just said today. I don't know. But just have it in your heart. Say, Lord, I want the reality. Don't need to feel moved by John this morning. I want the reality. So let's get those two things and let's, let's get to some basics. And I tried to get some peas, free peas, but I didn't. We need to pray, don't we? Prayer summarizes the humble positioning where we can do nothing else but call on God in our own personal lives, but as we come together as a church. And we are adapting, we're trying to be creative about the way we pray together. Smaller groups, once a month, evenings of prayer and prayer triplets and things like that. But we need to figure that out, don't we, as a church and say, Lord, but we want to pray. We want to pray and be available to him for our own transformation. I want to see a stirring of the prophetic. It's a prophetic group that meets and they're going to start meeting again. Martin and Daniel very much involved in that. And I tell you, stir up the prophetic. And I don't mean just, you know, just feel the Lord saying that he loves you. That's wonderful, but that's not good enough for me. I know the Lord loves me, but when, the, when, when God speaks and we start to hear by the word of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. And we see the biblical foundation. It's like God is speaking. And that, that transforms lives. It says in the scripture about people coming in to rooms, hearing the prophetic word and being cut to their heart because it's for them. Wonderful. The stirring of prophetic, the shaking out of apathy. You sometimes feel just tired all the time. Help us, Lord. We need to pray. Pray for these things. Pray and press in. And, and not for the sake of intensity. We can do that joyfully. But we need to recognize if we're not a praying church, we're not going to be a powerful church. The second P is praise. We need to be a praising church. I feel, if I'm honest with you, I feel we've lost some passion in our praise. I feel like maybe lockdown did that to us, maybe. I don't know. Maybe we're still struggling to get back into it. But I want to hear voice. <laughs> I want to hear the praises of you. I don't need to hear people just praying in, the, you know, in between songs. I don't mind that. But to hear people just loving the Lord and just being free and expressing. And I understand that I'm more expressive than some people. You know, you put it in your own context. But praise is the fruit of our lips. You know, and I know we've gone through, we've lost another guitarist and things like that, and praise God for John, praise God for Hannah, praise God for Dan and for Alan, have I missed anyone? For Brad, who's sunning it in South Africa when he comes back on the drums, for Drew, praise God, and may the Lord add to us so that we can have, I'm a great believer, and I'm going a little off um, tangent here, but it's relevant. The bit in between the songs is a time to sing praise God with all our hearts. 
to worship him, to lift up our voices. The bits where the song is when we do that all together. Come prepared to praise. Come ready to praise. Because in, you know, there's, there's a wonderful word, Hebrew word. I've got a bit of time, so I'm going to go on a little bit. Is that all right? I've got a little bit of time. The kids out there just enjoy it, innit? I think it's Tamar is the word. You just listen to the seven Hebrew words for praise that I did talk about. It's very interesting. One of them is Tamar, and it's, and it's worship and praise as led by the Spirit. That to me is, that's my vision. To see the church is not just singing because we're singing a song together. Thank God for songwriters and hymnists. But the song of our hearts led by the Spirit. Oh, powerful. I had a friend I used to work with at the Tudor Barn. Some of you remember him, Sam. He came because he wanted to talk to me about something to do with his life. And I said, come, meeting finishes at half 12. He came at half 10. He sat in the meeting in the middle of praise, he gave his life to Jesus. God met him. And I was like, well, should we pray and do like, just pray, you know, you got, I was like, I'm only doing it just so you know that there's a point in time, but God had already met him. And a few days later, we walked, we was walking out there, and he said to me, he said, John, I feel like a weight has been lifted. He was in the meeting. That's my vision. God meets people wherever he wants and we are just loving God. Wonderful. To be thankful and grateful every day, to express our optimism in Christ. What I mean by that is, on your own, it's like, God, I just want to thank you for, I know, like, you know, what Alan shared last week about being content in all things. Part of that is being grateful for, for who we have in spite of what we don't have. We should come expectant that God is going to move and that, we're, that we are responsive to God, to what he's doing in spirit, that we are vocal in, the, in, the, in our time of worship. So that's praise. The third thing is to be church, to come as that flame of God in the midst of us that we might have a fire. You know, I was thinking of going down into Philippians 3 where Paul says, do you know, I, I think it's, it's worse if it, you know, I count everything, all of my past, you know, things I've learned, all of my experience, all of my training, all of my, you know, position, I count it as dung, that I may know Christ. He says, and the power of his resurrection. And he says, not that I've laid hold of it, but I press on to lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of me for. It's words to that effect. Have I got it right? It's, um, do you know what the verse is? Someone tell you. It's Philippians 3, somewhere along the line. But it's this, will you press on with me? Is it your vision? The fourth thing is examine ourselves. Between you and God, examine your heart. We're loved, we're accepted, and sometimes worldliness comes in, sometimes apathy comes in. We're still loved, we're still accepted, but God wants more, more for us. You know, I think about why are we wanting to reach out to people who are lost? Is it because we want to fill seats? Is it because we want to have a big church and it's like, yeah, this is great? Or is it that every drop of blood that Jesus shed 
was to someone out there. And he deserves to get something for his blood. And Lord, I just want to be involved in that. So, I don't know why I said that. But we've got to check, it is true, amen. We've got to check our hearts. You know, are we seeking after God? That's my vision. I want to share that vision with the church. And I guess the response, I don't know if Jana and the guys want to come and prepare. Because I want us to respond. I want you to respond honestly. I want you to respond. Yeah. I want you to respond. Um, if it takes you a week to go home and say, God, is this my vision? You know, I'm not into how many people are going to say amen and all this kind of thing. I want it to be real, yeah? So, um, Trish, you want to share something? Um, yeah, it's just, <clears throat> thank you, John, for that. It's very, so encouraging, and uh, this is me looking really excited. <clears throat> um, after last week when Alan gave um, his talk, um, my and I went home. We had a really long time. And um, we were talking about what would be sort of the natural thing that would come on and um, things that we have talked about for quite some time since lockdown. <clears throat> and uh, it's so, everything is just con was confirming what John was saying. It's like I've I've come here today and I've, I've heard him talk about the conversations and the words that God was giving us from um, between uh, Alan's talk last week and your talk today. And God was reminding me of some of the things that he, he gave me in lockdown, some of the words, which I didn't share at the time because God said, wait. But the things that God was um, saying to me during lockdown was there would come a time in the church here when there would be a fresh move mm -hmm. exactly along the lines that um, John was talking about. And um, it, was, it was in that time that he gave me this um, vision of everyone was here and we were all praising God and everyone had their troubles. You know, nobody's necessarily got an easy life. There's always something, isn't there? But as we came in at the door, we left it at the foot of the cross and we came in and we just said, we're gonna fix our eyes on Jesus and we're gonna praise him for who he is. We're gonna praise him who is that God in the storms. And we are just not going to worry about that. We're going to forget everything that's wrong in life. And we're just going to fix our eyes on God and praise him. And everyone was looking up, not down. And everyone's heart was going up, not down. And as our eyes were fixed on God and we were just praising him with all our heart, the way that John was saying, people were just getting healed. Mm -hmm. So I honestly believe that, that God has really spoken to John in this time now. And I, I would really encourage us to really hear what he's saying and to do this thing whereby, you know, we've all got problems. Don't worry about them. God has promised, hasn't he, that he will bring the good out of every situation, even the things that were meant for evil. So even if there's something in your life that's really totally serious, mm. give it to God, fix your eyes on him, look up and praise, because I do honestly believe that this is the time now. Amen. Amen. I'd like to just pray for us before we sing, is that okay? Should we stand together? If you're able to stand, that is. And maybe in your heart, you can just do business with God. It's between you and God. 
But Father, I just want to pray for us and Lord and just declare our absolute, fundamental, humble need of you in this place. Lord, we want the reality of your gospel. The reality, Lord, of the move of your Holy Spirit as promised and declared in your word. So, Lord, confidently we come before you and say, Lord, will you, that you, we know, Lord, that you will answer. I pray, Lord, that you will give us, Lord, all that we need to do our part, Lord, which is probably to, be, to lay some things down. Lord, to come and really be honest with the position of our hearts and ask for forgiveness. Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you will do that convicting work in our hearts because we know when you bring conviction, you follow that up with transformational power. Lord, I want to pray for our young people. I want to pray for our children. Lord, that they may experience the power of God, be it in this place, be it in their homes. Lord, that for our young people, that you will raise up a generation who are on fire for God in the midst of this destructive generation, Lord, that we're in. Father, that they may know you and they will be, as, as we've already heard, fixated on you, Lord. Father, for, for those, Lord, that we're seeing um, coming in and out of the cafe or even in our own situation through the food bank or through the food club or, for, or in our neighbourhoods, Lord, that these, Lord, would have an awakening, Lord, that you are alive and that you live and that you are here to meet people and transform lives. Lord, we don't want to mollycoddle, we don't want to push, we don't want to strong arm people into anything because, Lord, it's all about you and them and us leading people to you in any bit way we can. But, Lord, we need you this morning. And so, Lord, as we sing, as we respond, Lord, will you help us, Holy Spirit, Lord, that this, this morning, won't be a matter of words because the kingdom isn't a matter of talk, but it is a matter of the power of God. So, Lord, come and do your work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.